Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, whenever, wherever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 77. Coming at you from the Mere True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host and producer Eric Fisher, the Big E. Joining me by the Zoom room, Justin Dahl. Justin, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm sunburnt, but today I spent a beautiful day with my wife and my and my oldest boy. We went down to Madison and watched some state softball, which was awesome. I definitely recommend uh, anybody that wants to do that, go do that. It was a good experience, and uh, other than that, just soaking in the sunburn, put some aloe vera on, Eric, and uh, hoping that we're all good for tomorrow. There you go. Now, were you down to watch a particular player or team today? No, no, we weren't. Uh, we left pretty early this morning, about 7 o'clock, dropped the kids off at daycare, and we took off from there. We got down there about 10.30, and... Uh, we ended up watching an awesome Oak Creek versus Sussex Hamilton game. Uh, Sussex Hamilton leading the whole way through two to one. Uh, Oak Creek in the bottom of the sixth uh, comes back and scores three runs, takes the lead at four two, ends up winning the game at four two after Sussex, Sussex Hamilton goes uh, second and third with two outs. Wow! Uh, it was an awesome ending to a game. And then uh, we ended up watching the number one team in the state, kind of a regional team for us up here, uh, the Kakana Galloping Ghosts. Uh, they improved to 29-0, and 0, Eric, uh, wow. the only undefeated team at state. Um, they were impressive, impressive and young. I mean, uh, they had their starting pitcher who was a junior uh, come in through three innings, and then they brought in a freshman. Uh who was outstanding in the field. Uh, I, I believe her name was Kaylee Meredith. Uh, just an impressive, impressive kid. Um, but one thing I was super stoked about was how on top of the field you are, how small the venue is, but it it, it feels big time because it's where the Badger girls play. Um, it, it was awesome. Like, just absolutely awesome. I, I, I think uh, next year we'll probably invest ourselves a little bit more into it. Um, maybe go and, and spend the night down there. And, and you know, it was kind of a, a last minute uh, birthday gift to my wife. Uh, she was looking for some people to go with. Uh, unfortunately, schedules didn't work out. So I kind of kind of took off of work and said, I'll go with you, babe. And that's what we did. Well, fantastic. Sounds like a great way to spend a Thursday in Wisconsin. It was. I mean, the, the weather was beautiful. Um, it was just, uh, I couldn't ask for a better day, to be honest with you. Well, that's fantastic. So I, I would love to go right into what we had rooted for and kind of make that the transition here. But got to take care of some business first. Got to talk about our partners over at Monkey Knife Fight and Raise Energy. First, Monkey Knife Fight, again, we say it every week, but Justin, if they're not pl- if you're not playing with the contest, every week there's a chance to beat yourself and and make some money while doing so. You really can't go wrong on those contests. There's really something for everybody out there. Official daily fantasy sports partner of the Milwaukee Brewers and numerous other uh, entities. So check them out, MonkeyKnifeFight.com or their mobile app as well. And then all our friends over at Raise Energy, RepSports.com. 
15% off any order with code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four. That's code ROOT4, 15% off your orders. And new flavors dropping basically monthly. They've got different protein products, energy products, uh, different workout supplements. You name it, it's there. Repsports.com, code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four. And get that 15% off order. With that, we start with the episode itself, talking some sports and whatnot, Justin. And this is our Root Force segment sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics, over 300-plus powered stores. Find your love for your team and root for them there. And what are you rooting for? What did you root for over the last week, Justin? Was that the softball from today or anything else you wanted to kind of mention here? Yeah, a little bit of that, but I'm going to go a little bit off the off the deep end here uh, uh, for you, Eric. I'm going to root for all the grounds crew people, the whether it's in hockey or or baseball, or you know, there, there's a lot of uh, prepping for football fields as we go here to start the uh, summer um, with with school just letting up. One of the jobs that I was most mesmerized today down at the softball fields is they hand dragged the whole field. Wow. Um, yeah, they didn't, they didn't have a little uh, machine to, to do it. They, you know, just a couple guys hand dragged the whole field, rechalked it real quick, got it done. Um, it, it was impressive. Uh, and then, you know, like one of the best things about going to, a hockey game, Eric, is, is watching the Zamboni, and I'm just watching the hockey game right now, and you see how clean the ice is and how long it takes for uh, for the skaters to, uh, for the players to actually, you know, kind of mess it up and get some of the excess stuff on there. I, I just think those people don't get a lot of love, Eric, and they need the love. So I'm giving them the love. Hey, I'm not against that. I... I had a like a diecast Zamboni car when I was like a kid. I I give all the respect yeah. to the world to Zamboni drivers. That is like a lifelong dream of mine that I want to do that one day. I want to drive a Zamboni. Hell yeah! I would even like to be one of the guys that you know drags the field and what's the field and rechocks the field. That seems like a pretty cool job, maybe for a day. Yeah, I've done I've done that before. That's that's something I've done. That's uh, it it's a good time. You know, you're kind of just tooling around and. I know up in Jill, we had the gator yeah. that was like a thousand years old. It's a good time. Like I said, good way to spend a good think, hour or so. I think that thing is still in action. I wouldn't doubt if it is. I don't. That thing is older than I am probably. And it just, it's still just giving her health. So like I said, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that, that is, you know, so hats off to them. The groundskeepers. You know, I'm throw it gonna... out to him. The, the, the groundskeeper appreciation episode. <laughs> All right. Well, Justin, I'm going to take a little bit of a, a different spin here myself, and uh, I'm going to give a shout out to you know something that we've talked about on the show. We actually had a specialized episode for it not too long ago, but I'm going to give a shout out here to the world of pro wrestling. And you know, you can oh. you can say it's staged, and it is. I mean, that's there's no doubt about that. But it's definitely not fake. Some of these injuries these guys go through, and the torment they put their body through. I'm not sure if you saw this over the weekend, Justin, but uh, Hell in a Cell pay per view, WWE's Hell in a Cell pay per view was Sunday night, and Cody Rhodes in Did a match see. against Seth Rollins went through his entire match with a torn pec, 
and his whole muscle oh is just purple. If you get, if you got to get a chance to go see that, uh, go check that out. Um, definitely, just an incredible feat in and of itself. Of the you know human will, you're not kind of one of those things where you're not going to injure it worse than it already is, but just brutal looking injury. I mean, you're, I'm sure you're limited as all hell as to what you can physically do with that type of an injury. So shout out to Cody Rhodes in that aspect, but then also. Uh, shout out the fact that WWE the next night, so Monday night, was it back here in Green Bay. Uh, personally speaking, I was not able to attend uh, as much as I wanted to due to some, well, my work schedule at the time. But just, oh you know, shout God. out to the guys and gals doing that. And also our, our friends over at RPW, for those of you that don't know, the Root for Wisconsin show will be sponsoring a match at RPW Heat Wave 2 in August. Um, I believe the match has officially been released. I know that it's something that we've discussed, but let me just double check to see if it's something that I can actually promote here. One sec, boys and girls. So, like I said, we are officially sponsoring a match. I I don't show that it's been announced as to which match. Oh, yes, it has. My apologies. Uh, it'll be a triple threat match between TW3, Brick McCarthy, and Damian Chambers uh, on August 27th. So we are sponsoring that match, and Ramsey and I will likely be out there that night too. Uh, so with that in mind, check that out and check them out too. They're on YouTube. All social media is out there, Raging Pro Wrestling, RPW in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So pro wrestling gets my route for this week. Damn, I just looked at those pictures, Eric. That's pretty ugly. Holy cow. Yeah. That is that Wild. is a sight to, to be seen. Or not, if you know if you have a squeamish stomach, but that is one hell of a gruesome injury. So that that's my route for. Given some some typical, you know, you don't really hear a whole lot of of uh pro wrestling talk on a normal sports podcast. You know, there's pretty that's a pretty niche audience, but we're gonna talk about it here, so just had to get those shout outs so with the positives justin come the negatives and that leads us to our tyler hero noogie of the week and there's a couple different routes that you can go with this and then i can go with this so i won't let you go first too um i don't know that i necessarily have a big noogie um offhand um to be to be honest with you i've haven't really witnessed a, I, I haven't watched uh, i guess I'll go with the NBA because this schedule is wild. Like, why are there so many days off in between games? I, uh, I mean, it's so off and on. I can't even get into watch. I haven't watched one game. I, I also care. haven't watched the finals either. I really don't care. And the other thing, like, I mean, just kind like of the, the schedule is all off. And I get that they have to travel across the country. I know that's part of it in this particular instance. Going, you know, with game two being complete now, or no, game three being complete. So, yeah, they really, I, I don't know. But I was also going to say just the, the I was going to say something that you just put in our group chat before we started recording. The the rim issue, I thought was kind of noteworthy. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen this, and maybe, maybe I'll share it later to our page, but uh, the Warriors are alleging that, um, the rims are two inches too high uh, at the Boston Garden, and they have a stick that is ten feet, and it is dangling. It's not touching the floor, so um, it's quite the interesting um, 
conundrum, if you will. Uh, I would give uh, Boston uh, – that might be dumpster fire of the year. How can you play a whole season? Yeah, I mean, not, I, I'm really curious on the fallout from this. If they, you know, I'm sure the NBA is going to do some sort of investigation. It's got to be like Deflate Gate. It, it really, kind of, yeah. When you think about it, I mean, it's def. I mean, in the sense that I mean, both teams do have to play that way, but that's that's two quarters a game that you're shooting on a a non regulation rim and if especially because i if i'm not mistaken do they switch at halftime in the nba yeah they do so i mean if you put that on if you put that on your opponent's end where you maybe shoot your own way on the first half and do that to yourself in the first half come crunch time that's on the opponent that's uh absolutely that's sneaky absolutely Definitely want to see I how this I have all plays a, out. I have, a, I have another one, and you might and you might agree with me. My other one is on the PGA Tour. Yes, I, don't know I, I was actually, this was going to be one of my, this was going to be mine up until today. Jabronis. Okay. But they have suspended players because they have elected to play in a different tour that is paying them way more money um, to play a in their inaugural event here, you've got Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson. I think Charles Schwartzel's leading the event. Bryson DeChambeau. You've got former, um, yeah, you've got former uh, uh, major winner Graham McDowell that is speaking out. Um, the The PGA Tour is really trying to drop the hammer and and, and be the only show in town. And uh, this live uh, tour or whatever it's called, it's it's. It's uh, headed by former golfer Greg Norman. Um, they they've really paid out and shelled out some money for some golfers to kind of give them uh, some sponsorship and, and and some face faces for uh, their tours. And now the PGA Tour is just like like dropping the hammer. You guys are suspended. And, and thinking about not letting them play in the U.S. Open next week, and it, it's it's quite the conundrum. And, and shame on the PGA Tour. You're not the only. Sh- you shouldn't think of yourself as the only show in town. You should just go out and beat them, right? Uh, a, a professional golfer should be an independent contractor, in, in my estimation. I'll say this, Eric. You know, very shyly without a, a lot of digging into um, the type of contracts and the type of memberships that these these guys sign up for. So there might be some legality stuff that, you know, maybe we haven't seen or, or heard of that um, maybe the PGA Tour has some, some, some feet to stand on there. See, I don't even doubt they have feet to stand on, but I don't think it – I mean, I, I guess in the sense of their contract, maybe it's relevant because they have to live to the terms of those that deal they signed. But this isn't like something that you've ever seen before. So I guess I don't have a – I have a huge issue with this, I guess, in that sense because I don't I don't agree with it either. I mean, this is basically saying you can't ever play golf unless it's under our dime. I know that's not directly saying that, but it really kind of feels that way. Like you can't play golf unless we're yeah. saying you can play golf this day. And I know, you know, obviously that's right. not saying you can't go practice or play with your buddies or whatever, but it, it's just kind of the same sense. Like you said, they're not the only show in town. And I do think professional golf should be a you're an independent contractor. It's not like, you know, 
most other sports that we see, you know, baseball. I mean, you have guys that play in like winter leagues or whatever, but and they're not necessarily affiliated with a team. But you know, that's kind of done. Basketball, you know, you're not seeing like LeBron playing in Russia like a lot of the WNBA players do. But that's just because of the physical toll that their season takes where, I mean, what's one weekend going to harm mm-hmm. these guys, you know, if they're willing to do the travel and whatever. Yeah. I, I have a huge issue with that too. I think that's incredibly stupid and, and contracts be damned. And I'm sure that there is probably something in their contract that says that they can't go play in a professional tour or whatever, but what's to stop them from going and playing in a scramble then, you know, if, it, if it's a charity scramble, you know, Jill at Nets club scramble, oh, there's a right. payout. Can't, can't do it. Right, right. No. I don't disagree with you. It's, it, it's there's the the PGA Tour is not looking very good in this situation. Yeah, and I mean you have a sport that is suffering and and like you know I shouldn't say suffering for ratings, but your core demographic you have to be extremely wealthy to get even involved in in professional golf. And so you're kind of having a niche audience anyway, and you're going to take some of these biggest names off the tour. I mean, Dustin Johnson did willingly just give up his membership, so whatever, that's on him. But you're going to take some of these big names off the tour when you're struggling to, you know, you're such a niche sport anyway. I can't can't agree with that in any sense of the direction. Yeah. So that was actually going to, like I said, he's, that, getting, he's getting paid a boatload of money, though, isn't he? Oh, I'm Dustin sure. Dustin Johnson. I'm sure he is. I gotta look this up. But this was gonna be one of my nuggies, like I said, until today. And you know, kind of the the side effect of postponing recording a day allows us to see some new news stories that came out. And Justin, my nuggie for this week, aside from the PGA, is our old friend Angel Hernandez. And oh boy. once again. Angel Hernandez putting himself in the news, not because of any calls that he made, which are awful on a regular basis anyway, but in this case, my noogie roots from his lawsuit of alleging the MLB uh, is racist because they're not giving him the biggest games. And if you know Angel Hernandez's name, well, you probably are notorious of how notoriously bad of a of an umpire he is at the professional level, uh, one of the worst percentage calls in, you know, or caller, I should say in, uh, in major league baseball and in baseball yearly. But with that, he had made a lawsuit a couple years back where he's not getting all-star games. He's not getting postseason games because the MLB is racist. Now today on top of that allegation, he goes and throws out this allegation that the MLB is manipulating reviews to make minorities look bad. That they're manipulating the review, like the replays. Because when you, kind of like how most sports are these days, when the review is being done, it's not actually the on-field official making the call when they go to review. It's, you know, the, the database in New York or whatever. So he's accusing the MLB of manipulating repay, replays. And... The MLB, this guy isn't working these big games because he can't call a strike. He doesn't know what the strike zone is most of the time. He blows calls on the bases on a regular basis. That's why we have instant replay. Not just specifically because of him, but he definitely contributes a lot to it. 
And he's going to allege that this crazy, and you know, there, there is, you know, unfortunately a lot of hatred in this world still. And, and I don't think it's as bad as a lot of others say, but I'm also in a privileged spot to say that, but to allege that the MLB is manipulating replays is beyond baffling to me. Why, why would that be baffling to you about this guy? Well, it's not that he's accusing. Not that he's, you know, saying that that's the case. I'm just saying that <coughs> that that's the the one he's going to go with because I mean, it either happened or it didn't. You know, like they're they're replaying what's there. So I I I really can't say that I'm shocked, he's, but I'm still shocked. He's a hack. He is a hack. He's been a hack for a long time. He's a he's a hack. I wholeheartedly he's, agree. He is. He is. Uh, dumpster fire of the year. His career, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, it's just the guy is awful at what he does. That's why he doesn't get these big jobs. And then, and then to play the racism card really deters a lot from what's going on in the world and trying to solve issues and have conversations. And you got this guy just waving that card around and just ridiculous. So that's, that's my other nugget of the week, Justin. Uh, that leads us into the our newest segment of what's weird in Wisconsin WWW. And Justin, over the last couple of days, we've had quite a few different stories that we can pick from. Um, the first one I kind of wanted to go through here happened here locally. So actually, most of these are actually pretty local. Um, first, you know, just one headline here. This weekend, the Great Wisconsin Cheese Festival gets underway in Little Shoot, Wisconsin. And then also, a Discovery Plus episode of a series uh, investigates, is Seymour truly the home of the hamburger? Wow, come on. Why wouldn't it be? I, I don't know. We'll have to see. If you have Discovery Plus, let us know. But that is something that we kind of saw. Um but my, my the two I want to go with here, and uh, you know we'll talk more about another one that I sent in the group chat. So the first one, I believe this one it comes from a different part of the state. Uh, this one coming from Baraboo. At least one person is believed to have broken into a Wisconsin zoo and opened cages, allowing some animals to escape. Two great horned owls and two otters are missing from the Oshner Park Zoo, according to Baraboo Police Department. Even though the otters may bite, police emphasize there are, quote, no dangerous animals on the loose, end quote. Zoo animals would like everyone to know that if you have located one of the owls or otters to not touch them, because although friendly, the otters will attempt to bite you if you try to pick them up. Um, apparently, this happened sometime overnight. An otter bite? Uh, otters bite, apparently. Um, and if you see any... any uh, Missing animals, either otters or owls, you are to call the Baraboo Police Department at 608-356-4895. How do you tell? That is my question. That First of all, that's my, like, that's a huge question. They're owls. What are you talking about? Like, I don't get it. There's owls in... Why? Are, first of all, why is an owl in a zoo? Well, you know, they're, looking every, they're an everyday animal. Zoos are for like non-everyday animals. My question is, like if, you're going to, if you're going to break into a zoo and and let animals loose or steal these animals, why are you choosing otters and owls? The two that, like you said, we have here. 
Like, if I'm not, I'm not advocating go steal a tiger because you know those are they're they're very dangerous. Obviously, I don't want to get sued over something like that. But if you're gonna go steal something from a zoo, why aren't you going for like a tiger or hell, even like a like a polar bear or something like that? There's so a many oh, penguins. Penguins steal penguin. Actually, don't. They're endangered. Yeah. Can't can't advocate for that either. But um. You gotta take Stop promoting crime, Eric. If you're gonna do it, though, you gotta do something memorable, not an owl or an otter. So that was one story I wanted to kind of just or go through here, Justin. The other one comes that from is... our own uh, our own neck of the woods here, kind of uh, in Door County, and this coming in Ellison Bay, I believe. Um, a Door County visitor from Green Bay is suing a company uh, based out of, I'm, I'm not sure where they're based out of, over what he claims is injuries caused by a chair at a Door County result last, or resort last year. Uh, this coming from Door County Daily News, Tim Coles. Uh, the Erdenock style chair, I believe it's pronounced, uh, that could be sitting in Air, your yard. Erdirndack? Erdirndack? I <laughs> that was was that not you per Erdardak? Yeah, uh, Scandinavian for sure. Uh, basically, those kind of the, the two piece the two piece chairs with uh, the kind of like the the what would you say like the fence kind of look to them like it looks like a picket fence almost. Yeah, uh, with armrests. Those stole them. No, someone uh, a paralyzed Door County visitor takes chair company to court. Uh, this is a story published by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel on Wednesday. Ronald Scanlon of Green Bay is suing Adams Manufacturing after a tumble he took in one of their whatever style chairs last fall left him paralyzed. The lawsuit claims that after he placed some, but not all of his weight, on one of the chairs, the chair collapsed and causes injuries. Uh, Adams Manufacturing lists these type of chairs as their number one selling product among its residential products. Spokesman for the company told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that they meet or exceed the American Society of Testing and Material Standards. The incident occurred at Homestead Suites in Fish Creek, though the report states that the resort is not a defendant in the lawsuit. Hmm. That's, I don't even know what to say. I mean, there's a lot of questions that go with it. How much did the defendant or the accuser way you know what is the chair rated for and how long has the chair been in use if the chair's been in use for too long and it gives out yeah see like, that's my question is why you're going after the company not the it's probably up to the yeah the the place that the the place of business that had it is probably the most liable See, that's what I kind of thought too. To me, yeah, for sure. That's why I'm I'm sitting here agreeing with you. Is that I I can't envision why the manufacturer necessarily would be at fault, uh, as opposed to the resort. And I'm not saying that they should go sue that resort, but if you're gonna sue somebody, and also like I I don't want to poke you know I don't want to uh, you know laugh at somebody's injury, but how much injury can sitting on a chair? Did he pinch a nerve or break his back falling? I'm, I'm kind of I'm well, curious on how been, you know. Eric, there could have been accidental insertion. Would that would lead to paralysis? 
Hey, you touch a funny bone, you never know what could happen. I suppose. Well, this one didn't happen in Wisconsin. I got one more story here for you, Justin, while we're just, you know, kind of shooting the shit here. Because this one, I got to give credit to the Damon and Mendelar DA show on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, they they kind of actually inspired this this segment. They do uh, stunned to a news every day, and their story today, <laughs> accidental insertion, kind of led me to believe it. So or led me down this one. Uh, their story from today happened in Missouri, where a woman is suing Geico. Five point two million dollars and won. The court upheld or yesterday a court upheld a decision. For a woman to sue Geico for $5.2 million over a claim that she uh, got HPV from having or having relations in a car driven by a Geico policyholder. They had the relations the in the car hell? and uh, allegedly the suit claims that the gentleman knew of his condition but did not disclose the condition prior to relations happening. And she is suing. So he was a a Geico employee. No, just he. That's who insured his car. Kind of like you know, if you have homeowners insurance, someone gets hurt at your home, and you know you kind of cover that way. This uh, this that's... fine young lady decided that uh, she was going after the car insurance company because they had relations in the car. That's ridiculous. And then one five point two million dollars. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I I don't even know what to say to that. No, I'm on the same page. Like I, I guess maybe like a legal precedence is that that homeowners insurance kind of route to it, but that is wild to me. The whole thing. I mean, just the whole thing. But I don't. Anyways, did you see? The Pat McAfee episode where the eight year eight and a half year old kid called in? I did not know. Did you hear about this? I did not hear about this. Let's let's hit it while we're still talking so about this it. So this eight and a half this eight eight and a half year old uh calls in and somehow gets through. He's on on live air and the the boys they they kind of blow up that this kid got through. And he, the kid, uh, you know, Pat asked him, what, what's what's he doing now, now that school's let out? And what's he doing calling a show like this? And yada, yada, yada. And the kid goes on this long ramble about how, you know, he thanks Pat McAfee for what he's doing for sports and, and, and whatever. And then <laughs> Pat McAfee goes wild, right? And then after, the kid goes, oh, oh, oh. And by the way, fuck Boston Connor. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And the guy, and the guys blew a gasket. I know <laughs> what Boston, I'm doing. I think there's memes. I think there's memes of, of Boston Connor's face uh, 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 going out on the internet right now. It's just, it's great. I know what I'm doing uh, as soon as we're done recording. Eight and a half year old kid. Man, oh man, that's, that's awesome. hilarious. Anyways, that was my story. That's awesome. So good stuff from the internet in the world uh, on the internet. Yeah, two minute video happened yesterday. Three hundred forty five thousand views on the YouTube. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out uh, later in the day. But 
So with that, uh, Justin, what route do you want to go here? We got a lot of sports to talk about. Uh, we can take kind of the not the traditional route of this show where we talk, uh, kind of take our trip around the state before we hone in on the Packers. Do you want to talk Packers right away? Well, let's just drop it down low on the Packers right away. Works for me. There's not really a lot to talk about anywhere else, really. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, not a whole lot going on. So, Green Bay Packers mini camp underway this week. Um, mandatory mini camp. Aaron Rodgers did show as expected. Uh, so he is in town, and and notably, first of all, have you seen the uh, the story where he uh, he got his or he took pictures with a little girl at the grocery store? Yeah, I did see that. Kind of a viral story going around. I'm gonna put that in the what's weird, but not really weird. Just a nice heartfelt moment for for uh, old Aaron and and the little girl who got to meet one of her favorite players. And apparently, hey, recognized him right away. But uh, lots to talk about here in the Packers world. And uh, first, I guess I kind of want to talk about just kind of one of the stories we've been really focusing on throughout the off season, leading up to the draft specifically, was. Uh, Aaron Rodgers getting in the receiver room and getting on the field with the new receivers for the first time uh, since Devonte Adams leaving and and kind of seeing what he's going to have to work with and lots to talk about there. Uh, first of all, you know, very impressive showing from all reports from Christian Watson. Yeah, I think you know, besides, um. You know, I think the biggest thing coming out of, of minicamp so far is the uh, there's one big absence in that receiver room, and that's Alan Lazard, who hasn't signed his his uh, contract tender for four million dollars. the The second biggest thing was was to see what Watson looks like, you know, catching lollipops from from Rogers. Some not there's not really a whole hell of a lot. You know, the the receivers look like they're running about. 35% down the field and Rodgers is throwing it about as high as he can and, and letting them run under it. And so, but the connection looks pretty good so far. You just, just got to get, got to figure this Lazard thing out real fast. And you know, I want at, this to fester. At this point, I think it's mostly just a formality from all intents and purposes from what a lot of reports are. He just has to come in and sign the thing. Uh, so that's that's kind of what we're looking at right now, you know. Hopefully, anyway, um, he's expected to be back in town later this week, from all reports. But yeah, no, absolutely, a couple, you know, definitely kind of worth talking about the uh, the elements first of, like I said, these kind of young guys, uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs talking. Uh, Christian Watson, I believe he's on record saying that Aaron Rodgers just throws the ball and. It's you know it looks like the easiest throw in the world and it comes in at 100 miles an hour it feels like. So that was something you know obviously that's uh I think that's hilarious and that's awesome. Just that adjustment and and again just some of the things that he's kind of coming to and kind of talking about here is just that adjustment and and a lot of the concern was that he was uh you know he's got a case of the drops which sort of Jamar Chase last year and that didn't really hurt him in the long run. So Christian Watson appears to be settling in in Green Bay. Uh also in that receiver or also just on the Christian Watson train here. Uh a lot of betting odds on him being the fifth favorite for rookie of the year. 
or offensive rookie of the year. I should really, say. yeah, fifth highest odds or lowest really? odds, whichever route you want to go to it. I'd have to. Where's pull. Kenny Pickett in that? Let me get that pulled up here for you, Justin. You you would think you would think Kenny Pickett would be the easy choice since he's probably going to be. You know, so Kenny Pickett uh, is the odds-on favorite pressing. at plus five hundred. Yeah. Atlanta receiver. He's going to be the starting QB. Atlanta receiver Drake London is plus seven hundred. Uh, Titans yeah. receiver Traylon Burks is plus seven hundred, and then Jets running back uh, is it Brees Hall? He is plus yep. seven fifty with Christian Watson coming in at fifth at plus nine hundred. That seems. That seems uh, wow. You would think Olave and you know maybe the Dotson kid out of Washington. There's a the, you know there didn't uh, Buffalo drafted a running back too. That would be one that I would look at too. Also, anyways, that that is a little bit surprising that Watson would be that. Um, that high on that that list. Don't think that that's. I honestly don't think that that's going to happen. You know, I'm not sure. As I, of today. As of today, you know, Green Bay really truly looking for a number one receiver. I mean, nothing against Alan Lazard. Should he when he signs his his free agent tender, uh, you know, but he's kind of a over the middle kind of move the chains kind of receiver. There's nothing wrong with that. You need that. But that's not necessarily a number one guy. That's like, you know, kind of like I said, just James Jones 2.0. Nothing against James Jones, but that's not your true number one. So if if he can hone in and adjust to the NFL's speed and builds up that rapport with Aaron Rodgers, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I, you know, I definitely could see him putting himself in that conversation. I mean, of the rookie receivers, he probably has the best quarterback situation, I would say, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he's he's definitely got the best situation of of all the rookie uh, um, receivers. He, he's he's got the uh, the the supporting cast, the the leadership. Um, you you look at a guy like Dotson coming out of Washington w with a sidekick of Terry McLaurin. I, I think that's a good situation. Can Carson Wentz throw it and, and turn it around his career? Um, you've got Chris Olave down. In uh, New Orleans with Jameis coming off an ACL, uh, but he's got Michael Thomas as a sidekick. Uh, Christian Watson doesn't really have that go-to sidekick. You, I mean, you're talking about uh, maybe a Sammy Watkins or or um, Alan Lazard or even a uh, um, a guide in in Randy Randall Cobb, but coming out of uh, situations with a wide open number one spot that could be up for grabs. He's definitely got a, a, a very good option uh, and a very good look for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm kind of glad you mentioned uh, Sammy Watson because a lot to be said about, you know, really, I'm not sure if you've seen any of his comments here as of late, Justin, but really interesting perspective he's kind of given on himself and, and talking about his his hopes for his time here in Green Bay. First, Matt LaFleur kind of initially putting to bed the longevity or the odds of him making this team by saying that he plans on having Sammy Watkins as a very integral part of this team and having a lot yeah. to do for him. But 
Sammy Watkins on Wednesday with the media told, I told the coaches, quote, my back is against the wall. My career hasn't been what I projected it to be, end quote. And that's, I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, you know, coming out of Clemson, had very high hopes for him. And, he, you know, he's, he's achieved at high levels when he's healthy. And obviously that's kind of become the thing of just that when he's healthy, and does have a Super Bowl ring, but not he's number four overall pick, Eric. Yeah, um, I don't think that he's ever been an All Pro. Um, he did have a season where he had 125 catches in a year. Um, he, he has some injury injury uh, question marks. Um, <clears throat> there are just things that he's going to have to work through, but. He, he's definitely got ability and, and talent left in his body. At, he In 2014, he, he was drafted. So what does that make him? He's going to be a nine, his ninth year this year. He, I mean, he's, there's still some meat left on the bone to, to get something out of it. Uh, whether that that's not going to be 125 catches. Well, let's get that out there right now. Right. But there's, there's got to be, uh, you know, possibly a, a, a pro ball selection with the way they select the pro ball uh, nowadays. How many guys opt out of pro ball and and how far down you can go and pick? I, I wouldn't put it past being a pro ball selection uh, ability left in that body. No, he's only 28 years old, Justin. That's, I mean, I turned 26 at the end of the month. It. There's no reason that he yeah. shouldn't be, you know, and he, you're, he's and not you're still in your it. prime. You're you're still in your prime, Eric. Well, let's you, not I get mean... too carried away, but <laughs> <laughs> you're, but not, no, you're, I, not a, you're not an old guy like me facing retirement out the, uh, you know, in in the in the mirror. Well, we're not taking me out to pasture yet, like we probably should to you, you know, old Yeller style. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm just starting this game off. I'm, I'm an old, you know, I'm a, never mind. I'm a young 36 years old, Eric. I'm a young 36 year old man. If you I'm say like so. 36 going on 23. If you say so. Starting this game off. If that's what you want to go with, I'll, I'll, I'll tentatively agree here. In the infancy of root for Wisconsin podcasts, in our. And our whole thing that we've got going here. Yeah, absolutely. And th- that's kind of the, the fun part here is that potential that is there for him with, you know, he's had really good quarterbacks his entire career. I mean, maybe except for the first couple of years and out in Buffalo. But since then, since they drafted Josh Allen and he's had Patty Mahomes and uh, an injured but still Lamar Jackson around him too. I mean, always been around. What, good. Did, they, what did they pay him? Four million dollars. The Packers. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I believe that sounds about right. So four million for him. Four million for Lazard. I mean, and two million. What are they paying Randy Cobb? Two million. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Gutenkoots has done a pretty goddamn good job at that position for the price that they're paying. 
Yeah, absolutely. Whole wholeheartedly agree with that. And really, like I said, just kind of looking forward to as uh, as where this team is offensively. Uh, defensively, we look at this team coming into camp, and I want to read you. I gotta I gotta go back and find the the first round or first team that was running out there the other day uh, for the Green Bay Packers defense. It was quite the impressive lineup here. Yeah, I think I think the biggest one, you know, you're going to go over it, but I, I, I kind of remember the, the instant picture of it. I think the biggest one that you're going to talk about is, is Jaron Reed starting that defense tackle um, over a couple guys that, you know, they they drafted one in in the first round, and then you had what Dean Lowry, that's played well, well enough over two years here. Yeah, here was um, here was a starting defense um, on the first team period during the first day of minicamp. This is coming from Matt Schneidman, I believe he you know going to give him his props here in a little bit. But the first unit for the defensive period, you had Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Jaron Reed, Preston Smith. Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Rasul Douglas, Adrian Amos, uh, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander. And I don't, I, and I don't think any of that shocks you, right? No, none, of, none of that shocks you. Maybe outside of, of the, uh, Jaron Reed, and and really that that doesn't really shock you, uh, being the player that he's been, um, for how long? And and so. And that's kind of what they signed him for. And, and Devontae Wyatt was just the guy that really fell to him. That was, you know, just they couldn't pass pass on him. Um, but I, I think that's that's the, the hottest position to look at where you're going to get um, maybe a, a, a change in the middle of the season. Uh, I, I think for us, Eric, um, would be to – to kind of see what that second team is going to look like. And that's where the the real questions are going to start coming in. Um, that linebacker, that middle linebacker position is, is seemingly now a position of strength. Um, you, you know, you've probably got the deepest part of it. You've got Chris Barnes that can work in if need be. Yeah, you've got and this is another you know they had T.J. Slayton was getting uh he was T.J. Slayton was interior defensive lineman three, kind of getting those first rotations in, uh, in camp. Really? Yeah. Um, with Dean Lowry was in the rehab group for what it's worth. Okay. Um, okay. So okay. he was not participating in the drills, but either way, still kind of worth mentioning just that that first unit. Uh, like you said, Chris Barnes at interior linebacker, and then uh, is it Tariq Carpenter, the safety slash linebacker? Yeah. That can play both positions. Yes, out of Georgia Tech. Yeah. He's gotten a lot of looks here early on too. Yeah, he's a, he's he's kind of um trying. I'm trying to think of a guy that we've had. He, Morgan Burnett, a, a bigger Morgan, like a way bigger Morgan Burnett. Who was the? There was a guy that played for the the at the time, well, no, the the Commanders now, but he was a, a big time safety. 
you know, he had arms that were like the size of Nevada. How long are we talking here? Eh, Somewhere between five and ten years. Ooh. I want to say he was from Nebraska. Anyways. Yeah, I I mean, some of the ones that, you know, not trying to put this. He's just a a big, like, X-Factor guy. Yeah, not putting this this label on him, but you look at a guy, you know, 6'3", 230, can play the pop, you know, plays downhill, can pop. You look at guys kind of like a a Cam Chancellor uh, with that size and speed. Um, You know, potentially, and again, these are very high expectations. By no means should it probably be this high. But you even look at somebody coming, you know, you mentioned a guy who could come down and lay the pop and had played for Washington. You look at even kind of like Sean Taylor years back. Yeah. Just that downhill physical specimen, huge specimen. I'm trying to look him up, Eric. I'm sorry. You're good. You're good. But uh, one other quote, you know, talking about Rasul Douglas, you know, probably my favorite quote of the week. Um, was Rasul Douglas on first day of minicamp talking about Aaron Rodgers. Quote, he already gave us a no-look pass on the first day. I was like, shit, welcome back to you too. Yeah, no-look pass. First day of minicamp, he's throwing no-looks. And Rasul Douglas was like, damn, son, welcome back to you too. I love that. (laughs) Didn't... uh... Jair, Jair kind of gave it to him a little bit. Jair has had some pretty good. So first of all, just kind of working with Jair Alexander here. First of all, Christian Watson not afraid to step up um, into the kind of the right into the gauntlet. He's been working with Jair Alexander a lot on one on one drills, and and winning a a fair his fair share. From all from all Jair, reports, Jair, Jair's the man. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. You know how good does that make Aaron Rodgers to go up against you know, you know top two or three cornerback in the league every day? Yeah, absolutely. And that's got to speak speak to the ability of what is going on with Rodgers' career. And you know that might be the best cornerback uh, group that. In the NFL, how good that is! Yeah, absolutely, and yeah. and just you know they're awesome. You know, it looks like they're such a close group. And uh, another quote: Jair Alexander said that he wants Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas to be the best in the league. Um, talking about being recognized for his ability and being the highest paid corner. Quote, it was special to me because it just shows how much the organization trusts my ability on and off the field. And yeah, like I said, it just I'm really it was spe- it was special to him because it gave him because it gave him eighty four million reasons to be special. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean well, I, I don't understand why players just don't be real about it. Like eighty four million reasons why it's special to me. Let's be real. I play the game because, <laughs> hey, I love the game, but I also play it because I make money doing it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Justin. And, like, I mean, we can sit here and talk about this team, and we we do enough, 
But just, you know, it's mini camp and lots of reasons to be excited, kind of looking ahead and kind of getting that, you know, that, that itch starting to come back. Like you said, Justin, you were you were hitting yeah. the weight room with your team and the football boys. And it's, yeah. while we are in the heart of baseball season here, it's also kind of the dog days of baseball season right now. And here we are, you know, talking Packers football as it's getting closer and closer to another start of a season that really hoping can be something special. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think the best way to sum this up, Eric, is is um, at this point of the year, every fan kind of kind of deciphers and, and looks at what their their most special battle position battle or who's going to make the team at what position, um, who is their key guy that they're going to look on and kind of root for. Um, as this process goes through over the next two or three months um, and who can kind of help make a difference that maybe we didn't suspect or, or um, even know was on the roster. Um, do you have a player like that, Eric? Like a breakthrough kind of guy like that? Just like a guy that could make, you know, that's 52 or 53 and it could break through uh, on the roster, the main roster. Uh, or what maybe your best position battle will be uh, to keep an eye on from here on what is June 9th all the way until final cuts? Well, you know, the uh, the safe pick in me wants to say that wide receiver battle just to see who ends up all making the team because, you know, we've got – there's talented guys out there. You know, Jawan Winfrey – uh, is coming back. You know, you bring in Sammy Watkins, you keep Randall Cobb. What's going to be Amari Rogers' future with this team, if he even has one, you know, because of these other draft picks? Uh, the Packers drafted three, including uh, Samari Torre, who doesn't get that same kind of run that Romeo Dubs and, and uh, Christian Watson are. So really, obviously, the receiver battle. But, you know, if I had to pick one kind of player slash standout, kind of just kind of watching that, and kind of a sleeper, if you will, Justin, a guy who I don't think is not, or I should say this, a guy that I'm pretty confident is going to make the roster. I mean, but just was a a late round draft pick that very well could be a very high acquisition. And I think I had said this in our draft coverage. I'm I love the Kingsley and Gabare pick. Yeah, and and really, yeah. I mean, we know Rashawn Gary is projected to have this major bust out season and Preston Smith coming off of a really good year follow coming from a really bad year, which was preceded by a really good year. So that third edge rusher and, you know, the depth, which, you know, Preston Smith has only, you know, been an issue with health wise this last year, uh, missed his first ever NFL game. We know for Sean Gary's had his, you know, shake and it's a physical game, especially when you're playing in the trenches like that. But, Kingsley Angabar is one that I'm really curious on. And then I'll, I'll let you answer because I have another one I kind of want to say, but I don't want to take everything from you here. Uh, so I'll let you go here, Justin. Well, um, you know, you you kind of stole my thunder. I, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of steam coming out of um, uh, out of camp about Samari Toure and, and what he can offer with his four three nine speed and in, in the special teams. Um, I think when you talk about the final four guys and depending on how many guys that the Packers could keep at that position, maybe seven, you, you've got about four guys really 
Um, they, they've got they've got too much invested into um, da, Dubs and and um, Watson. No, not Watson. We're the, the Watson is a, for sure make the team, right? Watkins. Um, but Rogers, okay. Amari uh, Rogers in a third round, right? Th- those two guys. Uh, you've got a third round pick and a fourth round pick uh, between those guys. And, and, may, was Dubs a fourth or a fifth round pick? I mean, either way, you've got a lot invested. So when you you know he's probably the first one when you talk about the bottom four. When you uh, you got Dubs, you've got Winfrey, you've got Malik Taylor who's made the team. Um, Winfrey's made the team. Um, he's been on the main roster. He's been on the practice squad. He, he's played. Is their experience with the team over the last couple of years going to benefit them over these two guys? Or, or is Toure um, going to prove himself to be a, a far more superior special teams guy that, that um, they seemingly, the Packers now, with, with the addition of Rich Passaccia, have seemingly prioritized uh, um, roster spots to uh, the special teams. Is Toure going to prove himself that, or is Malik Taylor, who, you know, over the last couple regimes on the special teams, uh, is he going to fall out of favor? Because he's made he's made the uh, the team uh, on special teams alone over the last couple of regimes. Maybe he's the odd man out. Um, Depending on how many they take, I, I think the player that I'm most interested in watching is Toure. Uh, to me, Eric, uh, just because he's the he's the experienced guy um, at a big time school, not like the Winfrey or or um, Taylor. Um, Dubs is probably a, a, a for sure keep. Um, and uh, are they going to try and maybe sneak? one or two of these guys on the practice squad and, and wait for an injury to happen um, and, and get them back on the, on the main roster? Uh, or or do they part, try to, uh, you know, play the game and, and put one on injured reserve for six, seven weeks and, and protect themselves that way? It's interesting. Yeah, for sure. And, and one other position group that I think, you know, we can't understate enough of how important it is and, is that offensive line group and and really you know we talked about this again around the draft of just how many gems in the rough that they could have potentially found either late in the draft or kind of in the undrafted room from guys coming off injuries and signed as undrafted free agents there's a lot of potential for guys and you know uh, names are escaping me right now but there's a lot of potential for some younger guys to make the roster, especially depending on the Elton Jenkins situation. Uh, David Bakhtiari is still working with the rehab group, you know, after, even though he played the one game last year, kind of still truly trying to get back into form from his torn ACL. Uh, and then, you know, the surgery that came along with it to get it scoped out. So really, you know, at a gro- at a position that they have such high-end talent at, but, you know, the depth has been questioned as of late and you let guys go who had good you know snaps last year with uh, Lucas Patrick and Billy Turner moving on in free agency due to you know cap casualties you look at what the future of that position group could be and and the some of those hidden gems you know the guys that make the roster I think you know like I said you know should really never know your offensive linemen's names on too much of a front because if you do that means they probably suck 
But like I said, just kind of interesting to see how that position group shakes out and who they end up, you know, which 10 or 11 guys they end up keeping on that part of the squad too. It's yeah, it's very interesting. Um, in the back end of, uh, you know, cornerback position, uh, what, what they're going to do there, uh, Offensive line is is uh, huge, and and how well is Kylan Hill going to come off of his ACL injury? Uh, I don't know that it's uh, uh, there's another candidate that they try to stick on injured reserve for the first six weeks and and give him time to fully come back. I, I think all reports have said that he's he's looking pretty good, but you know. He, he, Teams try to protect themselves with roster spots and keeping guys. And, um, uh, but me, I, I think that most, in, uh, as every year, I think the most interesting position is probably the the skill position, and that's wide receiver. Yeah, and and we'll obviously have to kind of see and how wait and see how that shakes out. But like you said, you know, do you go with the guys who have that special team presence or? Do you go with the guys who can be more of a playmaker for you and then play special teams at a pretty decent level, you know? Which, what's their new philosophy going to be with Basachi yeah. coming in and and what route are they going to take that element as well? So really curious how that, yeah, that might, breaks out. I think that might be that might be the most interesting process of it too is 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 the addition of Basachi and and how much they prioritize it. I think you're absolutely right there. Yeah, so lots lots to see on that element. Um, and really kind of, I mean, that's really the extent of, of all that's going on. You know, you're playing against shells and and not wearing pads right now, so not a whole lot of, you know, a whole, not a whole lot you can tell, you know, you're playing on air. But still, which is kind of interesting, you know, is that, like I said, that we're at that time of year where it's getting kind of fun to talk about. It's getting kind of real to talk about. It's great. It's great. It's football season. It's coming up, Eric. I'm excited. I love it. So let's take a quick trip around the state of Wisconsin. I wish I could say that was sponsored by Quick Trip, but we're not there yet. But take a quick no, trip around the state of Wisconsin. Uh, first, Bucks lose Coach Darvin Ham to the Lakers, new Lakers head coach. Man, that's been a long time coming, Eric. This guy's been uh, interviewing for head coaching positions for God, it feels like maybe the last five years he's been close. He's been a finalist a couple times at a couple positions. Um, I think most notably the 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 last one was was for the Pelicans position. Did not get that. Uh, maybe the Thunder position. Obviously, did not get that either. But to get a big time prime time job like uh, going to the Lakers just speaks to how well this coaching staff was for Milwaukee. Uh, I think I think it's it's going to be a big loss uh, down the road here. Yeah, absolutely, big loss for the Bucks, and and you know, it really, you know, I know Ramsey and I, are big LeBron guys, but really kind of curious on how hiring a first-time head coach goes for the Lakers, and and you know, all the the trials and tribulations that they've faced here the last couple uh, off seasons, really, with the makeup of that roster, is is Darvin Hammond in a good position to succeed right now? You know, you could argue that unless the Lakers make some overhaul changes to uh, that roster, whether they be maybe trying to move on from either Anthony Davis or Russell Westbrook, 
Yeah. You know, you could really, you know, you got to, you got to figure, you got probably got to move on from at least one, if not both. Uh, you know, it's interesting to see because the Lakers are still the Lakers as to who, if anyone they bring in. Uh, you know, one of the hot candidates for them right now is Zach Levine. And, you know, that's kind of seems. No way. I, just reporting the news here, Justin. There ain't no way. Why would the Chicago Bulls give him up? No I'm pretty way. Sure he's, a, he's a free agent. He's got to be restricted. Not sure. Well, they ain't getting rid of Westbrook because nobody wants him. They should get rid of LeBron and build around Westbrook and then probably go to the finals. Oh, come on. LeBron LeBron is a hack, Eric. Uh, He's not any good. That is awful takes, Justin. Just awful. (laughs) He is horrible. Get rid of him. He's a drama queen. He takes everybody's momentum down. He hasn't been helping them. He can't win big games. He can't win by himself. Are you done? He can't carry a team anymore. Are you done? He's overrated. You done? Overrated. You done? <laughs> no, I am. Okay. Uh, Zach Levine is an unrestricted free agent, by the way. Just looked it up per spot track. Well, Zach Levine ain't going to be no fourth option. Probably not, but... He wants to be a Laker, allegedly. If I were anybody, if I were anybody, I wouldn't want to go play with LeBron. You done? I'm serious about that. I wouldn't want to go play with LeBron. I would absolutely. I'm dro- You're gonna win. I'm dead serious about that. Gonna win? Can't even make the playoffs. What are you talking about? You're gonna win. Win what? He only won championships because he had Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. I mean, he's just two years off of a championship, Justin, with his third team. Yeah, he's a he's overrated, has been. Hater. Hater. Can't hate nothing that he stinks. Yeah, you're just hating greatness, man. You do what you gotta do. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, lost for the Bucks there. Um, while we're talking about the Bucks, uh, interesting kind of conversation about where they kind of go draft wise here. You know, a lot of pieces. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks back of that they could look for uh, for options to kind of build this roster back up or keep it. You know, re, kind of retool, not reload or rebuild, but just kind of retool it. Um, I've seen some love for the Bucks going and drafting Milwaukee. Product, uh, Pat Baldwin Jr. Not a big fan of that myself. Uh, today I did see though an NBA mock draft from CBS Sports. I'm gonna try to see if I can find who the pick was. Uh, was Jake Laravia from Wake Forest? Never haven't either, but he was a mock draft projection for the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. Apparently. It's not like they're picking in the lottery. That's ridiculous. Anyways, they we've talked about what the Bucks need to do with this roster, right? Yes, they we need have. to get some three-point shooters around them. They need to draft experienced players. Um exactly quite frankly, exactly what Boston has done with their roster. 
you're, you're getting great play from, from guys like Peyton Pritchard and, and uh, Grant Williams, guys that are uh, veterans of the college game that have played um, four years in, in, in college, three years in college. Um, th- those are the types of guys that, that they need to attack that can help them today as opposed to um, a project, per se. Yeah, I think we can all agree that the Bucks are done with the project phase. They should be well past that. They're in a win-now mode. 100% agree with that. Yeah, and I don't know that uh, this Jake dude is, is that. I'd have to look him up. Eric, you got me out. Uh, you, you caught me off guard with this guy. Let me get it. Uh, see if I can find a profile here for you. Just uh, great content here as we kind of look for Jake yeah. Laravia, I believe is his name. Uh, 2022 draft profile. Two years at Indiana State, transferred to Wake Forest. Was a, in his first year there, he was a second team, all ACC second team. Uh, known more for his scoring ability, scoring 20 or more points seven times in his junior season. Jake is quick enough to become a transition threat while also being a threat to space out and get an open three. Has an NBA-ready body, very much uh, pro comps to Jeff Green or Otto Porter Jr. Which I don't like that at all. Comes in at 6'8", 227 with a 6'9.5 inch wingspan at 20 years old. 40% from three in his final season at Wake Forest. Uh, good fundamental form, very square the basket. Does not get much lift on his jumper, apparently. You need to walk away from... Uh, they, they could be a very active team this summer uh, in, in kind of changing their roster. I think moving on from... Brooke Lopez would be a great idea too. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Absolutely. And I would even say that, you know, one element that they kind of need to focus on more is Javon Carter, uh, kind of being your backup one guard instead of kind of relying on George Hill, who let's face it, uh, probably passed his, his time here in Milwaukee. Who? George Hill. Oh yeah. Th- these old guys need to walk. Get out of here. So I'm, I'm past it, Eric. I, uh, give me some guys that can shoot, run, play defense. Absolutely. Uh-huh. How right. much is how much is that to ask? <laughs> I, I don't think it's too it shouldn't be too much to ask. Unfortunately, sometimes it is, but it should not be too much. And with that, I mean, we can transition here from one Milwaukee team to another. Uh, that being the Milwaukee Brewers, who, despite being on a now five-game losing streak, are still in first place in the NL Central. Uh, you know, just kind of a telling sign of how, again, you know, we're talk we talked about this last week. Uh, just kind of an injury injured team right now, just kind of limping through this this rough stretch. Justin, in the first two months of the season here, the Milwaukee Brewers have already been on three three city road trips. Now there's years yeah. where you don't have one of those, and you've been on three already through two months of the season. Um, obviously, yeah, having this... missing two of your all-star starting pitchers does not help any degree. 
uh, as both of them are, I believe they're both pretty close. I know Freddie Peralta kind of going to start his rehab work here sometime this week. Uh, Willie Adamas back in the lineup as of today. Hunter Renfro returned uh, Tuesday, I believe, after the off day uh, prior to this homestand here. But just kind of good to be getting healthy again and and kind of slowly but surely kind of break out of that. And, you know, I think, you know, one thing we got to talk about is the the return of Willie Adamas being really that true spark plug and and kind of hoping that his presence on the field and in the clubhouse on a daily basis really is enough to kind of light those those bats back up and really something we saw last year with his acquisition and you know we saw him miss some time you know not too long ago and really when he came back was kind of an offensive juggernaut time and kind of hoping that same result happens here well he hit a homer today didn't Willie? he did his his first or second game back i believe he actually came back yesterday so i did i think i misspoke on that but he did indeed hit a home run today in the first inning, hit a bomb to dead center. And like I said, just kind of hope that that can kind of spark the rest of the team, kind of a, a transition day to day as they kind of hopefully get out of their own way and, and go from there. Well, they got, they, they've got some serious offensive issues right now. Uh, they, they really need to figure it out. I, uh, you know, whatever they can do to, I don't. I don't really know what the answer is. They've tried everything, really. Um, they, they've brought Keston Hira back. They, they've tried him in different um, positions. You, you've got Andrew McCutcheon who hasn't panned out. Um, you, you've got Lorenzo Cain who's seemingly taking a dramatic fall off into his play. Um, the pitching. Um, you know, you're dealing with some injuries to Woodruff and, and some other guys. And um, while the rot- the rotation hasn't been as good as it has or was last year, um, it, it seems like the bullpen is really kind of still um, being up to snuff, up to par, um, but offensively challenged and, and, and not watchable challenged. It's it's hard to watch. Um, the, yeah, they need to figure it out. You know, and I think that's a lot of you know the case here. Just a lot of guys kind of going through some nagging injuries. You know, uh, Colton Wong missed some time the last couple of days due to kind of reaggravating a calf injury. So you've got an, an injury there. You've got you had Mike Brasso playing shortstop and third base when you had Urias was out for kind of a nagging injury and Willie Adams was still on the IL and. And just you're you're running guys that you know that should be kind of role players, if you will, at at key positions. Now I do want to I do take a little offense to the Andrew McCutcheon take you just had there, where McCutcheon, yes, you know he did just come off of an 0 for 32 slump, uh, which you know obviously no one, you know, I would agree with you that that is less than ideal, but definitely putting the ball in play, and he's not striking out like you know a lot of these other guys are right now. Um, so putting the ball in play, just finding gloves and finding grass. But that walk-off hit he had the other night, Justin, really kind of sparked him back again here uh, as as he's been relatively hot since that point. So kind of refining not himself here. Well, definitely not hot enough. You know, Like you said, there's, there's a lot of issues to be said here where in the last, I believe, six games they've been shut out three times now. And just kind of getting through this this rough, brutal stretch of schedule, and uh, you know, not winning at home definitely 
can't have that. You know, you lose three out of four to the Padres, and you get swept by the Phillies and games that they should have won. Uh, definitely can't have that at home. Let it, well, anytime, but especially not at home. But yeah, the slump's got to break at some point, Justin. And, you know, usually you say home cooking and sleeping in your own bed should be enough to kind of solve it. Evidently, it wasn't this go around. Back at it tomorrow for the Brewers. They are back on the road. They're taking a trip to uh, Washington to start off with a swing out east. And that'll be against the 21 and 37 National. So hopefully, hopefully speaking, a get right series here. They do. They do need it. Uh, what What is their current losing streak? Six games. Five six games, games right now. Yeah, six games. Six games. How now that they've fallen behind the Cardinals, eh? No, they're still in first place yet by a half game. How the hell does that happen? That's got to be. You know, for as much as I was saying before in our past episodes, Eric, about us winning games, um, but still only being. Uh, what I think at the time it was two games, two and a half and games a half. Uh, up half. over the 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 Cardinals. Uh, yeah, three and a half. That was kind of um, um not uh, promising, right? But now you, you know you talk about a six-game losing streak, and you're and you're still what a half game up, and that that's the promising end. I mean, the the work you've done earlier is paying off. Um, and getting you, you know, every team goes through a rough stretch. You really have to um, understand that, right? Every team goes through a rough stretch. Every team gets injuries. Um, it's what you can do through those injuries, how, how well you can um, endure those injuries in, in, in the tough time. Um, uh, maybe St. Louis's time is, is yet to come. Um, but you know, to still be a half game up, that that's uh, pretty promising. Yeah, and I guess just on the flip side that, you know, if, if you're still a half game up after a six-game losing streak, really makes you think of what could have been in that time to really expand the lead. But, you know, at this time, that's neither here nor there. You got to do what you can control at this if point. You're a, if you're a negative thinker like you are, Eric, instead of a positive thinker like me, on the other hand, you would think that. Right. <laughs> right. So that is kind of what's brewing down in Milwaukee. Uh, a couple other just kind of notes here. Um, let's check in. You know, we've got, you know, we talk about our our friends over at the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Uh, Timber Rattlers still kind of holding their own. They're 31 and 22. It kind of a, you know, really good season for them. They're currently up 3 to 1 over the Beloit Sky Carp. Yeah. So Sky Carp. Looking the for the official team of Root for Wisconsin. That is patently false. That's what Ramsey said. They're the official team of the Root for Wisconsin podcast. Yeah, patently false. I'm not signing off on that one. <laughs> I guess you do make all the final decisions, Eric. I would have to agree with that. But I'm, I will, just, I'm just stating what Ramsey said. I will agree with Ramsey because he did have his some of his Beloit Skycarp gear on the other day. They do have some. That son of a bitch got something to give it me. Oh, we're gonna have a little chat. You can have a chat with him on that. That, like I said, it, I don't it's know. He's pretty, supposed to give me a hat. Pretty sweet merch. I'll give him that. So that's all I'm gonna say positively. But I'll give him that. 
Uh, so they're looking. Oof. Pam Rattlers look like they're on their way to a win. Hopefully here tonight. Uh, so good news there. And really, just you know, really in that, I believe they're still in the mid, the international league here. Excuse me, the Midwest League um, for the high A standings. They are second in their current division by three and a half games to the Cedar Rapids Colonels, who are the affiliate of the Minnesota Twins and. Just some good baseball being played in that Midwest League right now. Uh, really can't say enough. Just what a team to have in our backyard, Justin, uh, in the the Appleton area, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, and further south to the Beloit Skycarp. Past Fox City Stadiums today. What a beautiful, beautiful stadium. Uh, we are truly blessed. Uh, to have something like that kind of in our backyard um, and, and, and um, consumer friendly, to be to be honest with you. It's, oh, it's not an expensive, not an expensive gift. Uh, go. Uh, in fact, go this coming next week as uh, they'll be hosting state boys baseball there. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely go check that out and, Taking taking some time at the ballpark. Uh, also, just again another team in our backyard here, Justin. Team maybe not going to make the IFL playoffs, but just got recognized as the IFL Defensive Player of the Week. The entire Green Bay Blizzard uh, defensive unit just having a great showing apparently this week in military appreciation at the Rush Center. Uh, few games left, I believe, on their schedule here. I'm just going to double check on that. Uh, but while we're talking about the city of Green Bay. You know, I know that last week we had talked about thinking that the the Green Bay roster was pretty much set, and evidently not. As they made one more addition, a very late signee to the twenty twenty two class, and that was Jack Rose. They, no, there were, there was somebody else since then, hasn't there been? I just I messaged you about it the other day. Yeah, yeah Jack, Jack Rose. You're right. You're right. My bad. I think. I think he was a borderline D1, D2 kid. I believe so. Um, I did not look into his recruiting too, too deep. Uh, there one, it looks like one more Blizzard home game yet as we kind of just, that'll be not this weekend, but next Friday, June 17th. Hmm. <laughs> but yes, Jack Rose, the shooting guard out of Westosha Central. He was a. He had four total D one offers. I'm trying to see if I can. Uh, he had been, or schools that were interested apparently, uh, include Green Bay, Maryland, Milwaukee, Toledo, Belmont, George Washington, Iowa, uh, Marquette, and Wisconsin. It appears he had taken visits to them. Mm-hmm. I had gotten four offers: uh, Green Bay, Maryland, Milwaukee, and Toledo. Really? Toledo, huh? Toledo. Toledo's, Toledo's got a good program going down there with Todd Kowalczyk. I would have to agree. Yeah. Had a great season this past year. Didn't make it to the tournament, but I was just looking at your mock draft here, Eric, and they've got a guy from Toledo going in the first round. That's incredible. The back end. Toledo Rockets, so, man. So, little addition the there. Rockets. Any Badger news notes for us, Justin? 
it's been hot and heavy, Eric. Um, official visits. Um, last week, there was a bunch of kids uh, on campus. This week, there's a bunch of kids on campus uh, coming to. Uh, I would expect some commitments to come out. Um, June is um, a hot official visit time so uh, for all schools. So we'll see. Uh, we've got a um, hoping to get a quarterback commitment here. Uh, can't speak to it yet. He's he's got another visit, but uh, other than that, it's been relatively quiet uh, on that front. Uh, some of the Badger players, basketball players, have picked uh, picked uh, some of their numbers. They did uh, uh, hire a defensive coach that replaced the guy that got or that resigned, Bill Sheridan. Um, I can't think of the guy's name offhand, but uh, at one point uh, he was the defensive coordinator for Al Golden at the University of Miami, Florida. Wow! Followed Al Golden, followed Al Golden from uh, Temple there, and then he took a year off after Al Golden got uh, fired and. Ended up becoming the defensive coordinator slash inside linebackers coach for Major Apple White when he was the head coach at the University of Houston. Um, many of you will remember Major Apple White only lasted one or two seasons, and then after that, he's been out of coaching since then. I believe since 2018, um, the Packer or the Badgers just hired him to be their new inside linebackers coach. So seemingly uh, seems like a good uh, experienced pickup. Uh, there is a little bit of uh, flack on this guy for how he has um, maybe come off towards his players in the past. So we'll see. Absolutely. So like you said, that's uh, some Badger news here for you. And Justin, really, I think that kind of does it for our trip around the state of Wisconsin. And, uh, just want to ask because I didn't actually end up getting the chance to watch it. What were your thoughts on the new NASCAR track? The, you know, it, it was surprising. I didn't think that the high side was going to be so hot, um, and, it, and it was. Uh, they they put a little bit of the PJ one down to help it, um, and, and it helped, and it worked. Uh, the race was pretty good. Uh, there was a a pretty fun incident between Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain. Uh, they were racing hard probably for uh, 10 laps or so. And, and finally Chastain got sick of it and, and uh, kind of just punted them into the fence. And it was good to see. Uh, you know, now there's a big rift between those guys and, and somewhere down the line, Hamlin's going to give them a little payback on it. And hopefully the, um, we see ourselves with a new, new, nice little rivalry in NASCAR. Uh, Joey Logano wins the race. Um, he really had the best car all weekend. Um, but there were two new tracks this weekend, Eric, as, as, uh, the Xfinity series was up in Portland. Um, to me, the Portland race was, eh, road course, you know, nice to see a little more road course, but, um, uh, as far as the speeds go, in the in the type of watching that you, that we're accustomed to as true NASCAR fans, 
Uh, Could have did without it. Uh, wasn't. Uh, I mean, there were times they were going, you know, turn, turn, turn. So for 10 seconds to 15 seconds, they're going at most 40, 29 to 40 miles an hour. So, you know, sometimes that's racing. Uh, I would think that Ramsey disagrees with me on that. Uh, is he, he is more of a purist than both you and I, uh, and who can set themselves up for corners and stuff and, and such like that. Um, so, oh, it was a great weekend. Uh, AJ Allmendinger wins Portland. Uh, and then Joe Logano wins at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway. And then we're out to Sonoma this weekend, Justin. Any prediction for Sonoma? Sonoma. Oof. Kyle Busch. All right, all right. I believe I am going to go... I'm going to go with the Hendricks driver. I'm not sure which one I want to go with you right now. I'm going to I'm gonna say Chase Elliott gets it done this weekend. Oh, that's a good pick. I, I mean, I, I really think Kyle Larson's kind of overdue for a win. Only one to his name this point in the season. But I think Chase, Chase Elliott is one of the superior road course drivers in the circuit right now. And I don't think that stops this weekend. I think he gets the job done. Chase Elliott, huh? Yeah, you just picked the favorites. That's all you did, Eric. You didn't. I mean, I, I didn't really look at betting odds. I'm sure he is probably one of the, if not the number one favorite. Well, he's a great road course racer. Yeah, like I said, I didn't, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel here with, with that pick. But uh... well, why don't you why don't you try going out on a limb once, Eric? Like... <laughs> You're always picking the favorites. And who keeps winning? Wow. Yeah, that's so how you want to win, Eric. Chase Elliott's if a plus. If that's how you want to win, Eric. The, the odds on favorites here, Justin. Chase Elliott's plus 450. Kyle Larson plus 700. AJ Allmendinger plus 900. Kyle Busch plus 900. Martin Trucks Jr. plus 900. Ross Chastain plus 900. See? I'm, I'm you, not. You picked the overwhelming favorite. Well, and there's you a reason the for that. Overwhelming favorite, Eric. You do this every week. There's a reason he's the overwhelming favorite, Justin. I'm. I'm. It's still positive odds. It's still be money in my pocket. You're a hack. You're so quick you're to throw that angel. word. You're that an, word around. You're an Angel Hernandez of picking oh, NASCAR man. That is a low blow. <laughs> That's a low blow. That one hurts. Everything's a strike. That one hurts. Anyway, Justin, what are you rooting for this coming weekend? What am I rooting for this coming weekend? Hmm. What is there to root for, Eric? Is is there anything offhand that's kind of crazy that we wouldn't normally root for? I'm sure there's something. Let's let's take a look. Well, I'll give you a couple things. I believe as we're kind of getting close to the college world the college world series for softball or baseball. So that's going oh, on. Oh, super regionals for baseball this weekend. There you go. 
Yeah, um, look at Oklahoma. The Oklahoma softball team is unstoppable. There, I'm watching that game right now. They're unstoppable. They're going to win the national championship tonight over the rival Texas. Uh, but uh, we can root for super regionals. Do you have a Do you have a college baseball team since Wisconsin doesn't? I I'm gonna be honest with you, Justin. This may be a This may be a hot take, especially for me. I have the hardest time getting into college baseball. Really? I I for the life of me cannot get into it. I've I thought this year was going to be the year where that changed because we had you know the the lockout situation kind of looming and wasn't sure when when slash if we were going to get MLB baseball going and just cannot for the life of me you know obviously I, I probably choose some of those you know the favorites you know you go like Texas and uh you know Vanderbilt just has immense talent so they're fun to watch in that element but yeah just I don't. I don't know if I can genuinely pick a favorite college baseball team. Just don't know enough about it. Don't follow it close enough. And, you know, if I have the option, and I think maybe that's just my bias because we have the Timber Rattlers in the backyard where, you know, I would rather watch minor league baseball over college baseball because you're kind of having, especially here in at the Timber Rattlers where they've been the low A and now the high A affiliate, you're really getting some of that same age player in a lot of cases. But college, it's just the season starts in the middle of college basketball season, the heart of college basketball season, February and March. And, you know, it sneaks up on you. And then, you know, again, you know, it's not like Wisconsin's playing. So you don't even have that necessary rooting interest. And you have to try to find a team and just, I can't do it. We're in the final week, Eric. All right, we'll shift away. I think my college baseball team is I, – I, I really like Oregon State. They've been the good. I'll, I'll give you that. They've been fun to watch the last few years. I've, I've been able to follow them. Shout out to former Jill teacher Kelly Claflin, and she did her, some of her master's work out there. Um, kind of followed them from afar. I, I've got to say they've been pretty fun to watch and kind of – follow along vicariously along with but you know the other thing about college baseball that just bothers me the uniforms are awful like just across the board they are so bad why they you know you look at you know what these different schools are doing for like football and basketball cutting edge type jerseys and and just good looks and something a little different each night and, you know, a good mash of colors. Then you look at what they do for their baseball uniforms and they're just God awful. Hmm. I don't know, Eric. I don't know about all that. I think they're pretty good. You know, and I, part of it is just like, I mean, maybe it's just, again, maybe like a pure state thing for me. Uh, but just the element of like, I mean, they have so many non-traditional like looks where, you know, you've got all black and you've got, like, I mean, they've got so many different, like, retro looks. And they they haven't changed the jerseys probably since 1970, a lot of these schools. Well, yeah. Neither, what are you talking about? Look at, look at football, the, the traditionalist um, football programs like Alabama, Georgia, um, Wisconsin, Ohio State. They don't change. 
Michigan. Yeah, they don't change. They work. What are you talking about? They work. They look good. And the baseball ones just don't. Uh, yes, Ale- they do. Oh, my God. I'm looking at a That's list a of the top 25. This coming from Baseball America's list of the top 25 best college baseball uniforms. Uh, published on May 4th, 2020. LSU, just plain yellow and white or gold and white. Oklahoma State, uh, Mississippi State with powder blue, Mississippi State's maroon. The Tar Heels jerseys are just plain with North Carolina or just as Carolina in like print font. There's just not a lot of good looks out there, Justin. And I'm looking through this list and. I think we need to put a poll together and see. The only one I would even say what is relatively iconic means. is is uh, Texas. I like Texas. Is you know it's it's very pro style, in that sense. But a lot of these look like bar yeah. league softball uniforms. Not I a think lo- Texas's uniforms suck. Tennessee's are pretty cool. I like that. Uh, yeah. Florida's are pretty good. I guess. But I'm looking at this list, Justin, and just there's not. I was Wisconsin's. <laughs> I mean, we do have a D1 team Bring it here. Back. We do have a D1 team here in the state of Wisconsin, that being the Milwaukee Panthers. But I just can't root for them either. Well, I saw. When I went and watched the Green Bay Booyah, they had a six foot four lefty uh, from Milwaukee pitching for the Booyah. He threw a no hitter that night, Eric. Nice. That was pretty good. That was pretty cool. You know what I think bothers me about a lot of these, and I'm looking at them just you know different pictures out here. There is a lot of um, like the pullover jerseys, not like the button ups, and I think that's an incredibly tacky look. Hmm. I'm not so a fan you're of that. a button guy. You're a button guy. For a baseball uniform, I'm a button guy because you know, honestly, and this is nothing against you know the the quality jerseys that we had growing up, but up until high school, you are in pullover jerseys. You know, they're they're little league so, jerseys, and that's I don't think that should be at the number one stage of college basketball or college baseball. So uh, let me let me ask you. The, here's the evolution of the question. Are you a button up all the way up, or are you letting the chest hair flow? I believe I was a button all the way up guy when I played. You got to let that chest hair. There's nothing more intimidating to a pitcher when that chest hair is flowing. You're putting on a different aura, a different vibe, Eric, when you're letting that chest hair flow out of that jersey. You know what else? You know, while we're talking about baseball uniform just as a whole, you know what else I'm not a fan of is like, I mean, the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Colorado Rockies, I think, are the only major league teams that do this still. But like the vest jersey, where it's like a vest and then you have to wear like an undershirt with the, you know, the whole team has to wear that same. I love that. I think that's such a tacky look. Oh my God, that is great. Not a fan. What are you talking about? Not a fan. Every team should have options, Eric. I, I'm not disagreeing that they should have options. Just that one's not for me. I would go, you know, do you remember the story when Chris Sale, when he back when he played for the uh, the White Sox a couple years back, they were supposed to wear those, uh, 
those retro throwbacks and he went and just he got pissed off he didn't want to wear them that night which is odd because usually it's the pitcher that picks the uniforms kind of traditionally speaking but he didn't want to wear them that night so he took a he took a scissors and a permanent marker to him so he didn't have to wear that jersey that night and they had to kind of change their plans that'd be me that'd be me with like the vest i think the vest uniform is worse than the pullover no way! Oh, it's oh, the worst. I am, I'm not even BSing you here. I, I strongly disagree with that. See, here's the problem with it, and at, maybe at the the pro level or even the college level, it's great. But when you're at like the high school level or like the not the rec league, but like the Babe Ruth and Little League level, when you've got guys that have different variations and different shades of that T-shirt underneath, and it, it just looks so bad. Well, the undershirt should be a part of the uniform. You would, it, sure, it should be. Not always, though. It's not a perfect world, Justin. There's faults in the world. world, and I and like I said, just it world just you live in. Not my, I, like I said, I, just, I don't know why I hate it so much. It just, I, I honestly blame the Pittsburgh Pirates for it, and and the Rockies. I, I really do. I just growing up, it just pissed me off that. That was their jersey. I, I, I hope can't explain the Brewers it. bring it back. I don't think the Brewers have ever had that Brewers style of a jersey, it. to be honest with you. I, th- I think they should get it. I mean, to you. Dark blue with the dark blue underneath with the pinstripes. Oh, that'd look tight. T-I-T-E tight, Eric. If you say so, man. I, not my look, but. So, <laughs> is that, I mean, we kind of talked in circles here about uh, our root for, so. You're going to go college softball, college baseball, World Series? I'm going to go. You, you could go that, Eric. I'm just going to throw in a quick one. You got the final week of the USFL, week 10. Um, trying to lock in in the playoffs here. You've got two teams here. Um, you've got the Birmingham Stallions at 8. No, they're locked in. The J- Jersey Generals, they're at, locked in at 7 and 1. And then you've got a battle uh, between three teams for two spots here between the Philly Stars at five and three, uh, the Tampa Bay Bandits at four and four, and the New Orleans Breakers at five and three. Uh, Exciting time. The playoffs will start soon, and the inaugural season of the USFL will be wrapping up. Uh, you can watch that at 11 o'clock Saturday morning on USA Network. Uh, catch the Stars versus the Generals and what, is, you know, looks like a good game. Hell yeah, started off the weekend, man. That's, you gotta love it. All right, that is episode 77. I'm Eric. That's Justin. Stay tuned to our social medias to catch up all the latest on the Root for Wisconsin show. With that, we're in the book. See ya. Salute.